Hey there, I'm Adam Davis, and I want to welcome you to this episode of The Detour, which we're getting ready to release just as another year of COVID-tainted school is about to start. Since COVID landed in Oregon in March 2020, there's been a lot of feverish talk about COVID and kids. Should schools shut down or not? Should kids wear masks or not? What is the impact of social distancing on kids? and so much screen time, and the prospect that young people and their friends and family members might get sick. A lot of this feverish talk about kids and COVID has been uttered by adults to other adults. In this episode, we try to take a different route. We ask young people what they thought and felt when COVID landed, and we ask them what they think and feel now, a few years in. First, we talk with Caroline Gao, who's about to start her senior year of high school in Albany, Oregon, and who was a high school freshman when COVID hit. In the later part of the episode, you'll hear from several students at Encore Academy in Warrington, Oregon, near Astoria, about what they want to remember and what they want to forget about the earlier phases of COVID. I remember watching my own kids deal with COVID and school, the uncertainty, the strange ups and downs of emotions and energy, and the sense they and I shared that the whole thing was as bizarre as it was disappointing. But they also seemed to recognize more clearly than I did that it was what it was, and it needed to be accepted and lived through and even enjoyed. It was a joy to talk with the young people you'll hear from throughout this episode. We hope you enjoy listening too, and we hope you'll share these voices with the young people in your lives. Caroline Gao lives and goes to high school in Albany, Oregon, where she has already started an international cultural awareness nonprofit called The World in Us and co-founded Aster Lit, an international youth literary magazine. There seems to be nothing Caroline can't do or speak clearly about. So instead of telling you more about Caroline, here she is. So my name is Caroline. I'll be a senior at West Albany High School this year. And I'd say a lot of the work I do kind of relates to young people. I uh, lead an organization called The World in Us, and we do different intercultural exchange activities, a lot of which are virtual. And I am also involved with Astrolit, which is an international youth literary magazine. And I also do some kind of like political work, as well as some research around uh, socioeconomic equity in technology design. So that's a lot. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting to think that as a senior and soon to be senior in high school, you're already talking about the work you do and that you said uh, at least a couple things that are international. Like you're doing a couple things that are connecting with people all over the world. And I'm hoping we can get into that in a little bit. But I want to I want to start by pushing back to the more local or immediate. Do you remember uh, sort of in spring of a couple of years ago when COVID started to hit, what that felt like for you in high school? And uh, just, yeah, what, what did that feel like for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I still remember when I think I was reading like the South China Morning Post and COVID was like first coming out in China and starting to get really big around February. And there was kind of this impending sense amongst a lot of us, I think, that eventually this will impact us too. And eventually we're going to, something's going to happen. Um, and I think it was in March when we got the first notification that school would be out for like just like a couple of weeks. We'll see where the situation goes. Um, but obviously two weeks turned into a lot longer. Longer. So initially that first two weeks felt nice because mm-hmm. I think a lot of students enjoy a break from time to time for school, but it got less exciting <laughs> once it turned into the rest of the year. And it also became a little bit clear that I don't think our school or like most schools in the U.S. were really prepared for that school year to kind of just fade into online oblivion. Mm-hmm. But I think for me and for a lot of our peers, it felt I guess a little bit inevitable. It felt a little bit inevitable for some time. So for me personally, I felt like I knew something was going to happen and I knew we probably wouldn't be in school and things wouldn't be quite normal for a little bit at least. But I definitely, especially at the beginning, did not expect the amount of time it -hmm. took eventually. And it kind of felt there was this constant, like every month that they said it would be next month kind of feeling where it felt like, the thing that was supposed to happen kept on being delayed a little bit. So it was, it was just a bit odd, I guess. It was like this constant in-between space, except that in-between space lasted for like a year and a half. Yeah. And you kind of had a sense that something was coming. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I guess I I read the news a lot, <laughs> like a lot, plenty of people. Um, so I also have family in China um, and most of my family is from China. So we could hear from like my family, their situation. And obviously the Chinese policies around COVID were quite a bit more intense than the ones here. But just hearing that and knowing like the state of globalization that we live in, it seemed pretty much a given that... COVID would eventually reach us in the U.S. as well. I guess it was weird for me because a lot of high schoolers don't necessarily check the news all the time. Um, And we were like in our day-to-day living business as usual, like going to school Mm. and doing extracurriculars and stuff. But I think just seeing the news of things happening internationally and then the first few cases emerging in the U.S. and obviously seeing how it spread in other countries, it seemed kind of obvious that it was going to spread like that in the U.S. too, and that our community would eventually be one of those communities that was experiencing the same thing as everyone else in the news. It was just this kind of weird situation of knowing something life-changing is going to happen, but and getting a preview of that. And it's interesting what you said a minute ago. You said you knew that something life-changing was coming, and I guess... Once, once COVID landed in Oregon and landed in Albany, like what were the first changes that you felt and noticed and started to go, oh yeah, this is for real? What were the changes? Yeah, the biggest one would definitely be school becoming virtual. I think how our school district did it was at first they said like for a week or two that we would be just taking like a break (laughs) to assess the situation. Um, And then after that brief break, they said, okay, we're doing online school. Um, But because we didn't really have that much infrastructure set up then, it was around 
um, like March or April when this happened, uh, we just had like Google Classroom asynchronous updates <laughs> um, as well as like emails. Um, and we didn't really have any required um, synchronous class time yeah. or really synchronous interaction with peers. So a lot of our class projects and class assignments also got like drastically changed to just um, instead of everyone in English class, for example, reading the same book, it became read a book on your own and then make a little book project about it. So it was really just the daily rhythm of going to school, commuting to school mm -hmm. and seeing people walking down the same halls and everything. It's uh, very cyclical in the way high school is. Mm -hmm. And then I think the most drastic change was just that entire cycle being gotten rid of and then waking up when you felt like it doing your work when you felt like it and then that lasting through the rest of that year was definitely the most significant change for me personally it's interesting how you talk about the change from in addition to not sharing the physical space but also like not reading the same book mm -hmm. not doing a report on a book that everyone's reading but instead each of you choosing your own book that sounds like it would lead to something like, I don't know if it's more isolation or certainly a more individual experience. How did you keep connected to people when you weren't going to the same place and reading the same books? Yeah, that's a good question because I think it's something I'm still figuring out. I do like to reflect on like the idea that it, this was individualized, like the way high school is already an individualized experience for everyone. I think the pandemic made it even more so. Mm. Um, like for me, I, I wasn't exactly one to like hang out with people that much after school. Um, and a lot of my interaction with people did come from school. And I guess I tend not to connect that much with people at my school in general. Mm. Um, so for me, I feel like it was honestly through a lot of summer programs that I did like virtually that summer that I ended up finding people who I met like online and connected with. And for some reason being like meeting online made it easier to stay in touch and like mm -hmm. connect in an online setting, I feel, as opposed to meeting someone in person and then being expected to maintain that initial um, dynamic in an online setting. Yeah. I know a lot of my friends would like FaceTime or text for me, I could just look at people's stories on Instagram and be like reminded that everyone is still existing and yeah. living a life. It's interesting that you say that like it was actually in the virtual world, you met a lot of people. Yeah. And how do you meet people and develop sustained relationships and sustained projects uh, without having sat face to face? How does that work for you? Yeah. I think for me, it was pretty interesting because pandemic hit like my freshman year and that summer was when most of my projects started so in a sense like most of the work that I've done started in a virtual setting as opposed to an in-person one for me I did a few like summer programs like I did a intercultural exchange writing program which was supposed to be in person but was made virtual and I also did like a virtual research internship um, and I think with those programs especially because this was near the beginning of the pandemic and it still felt a little bit like a shock to everyone. It was almost like a uniting factor for us, mm. um, even though we were from these different countries and from these very different perspectives and lived experiences, we still had this shared like, like axe thrown in our high school careers. Yeah. Um, in addition to just like shared interests, like as human beings. And I think with that program in particular, like you apply and you write 
about your interest in writing, basically. And for me, I feel like settings like that where people are kind of like chose to be in that setting together really helped me find people who were interested in the same ideas mm. I was. So when I shared, for example, my ideas for um, like The World in Us, which I started that summer, uh, which is my organization where we organize different programs for high schoolers as well as elementary schoolers um, to just learn about different cultures and different cultural perspectives. These were people who were already interested in those ideas. So it kind of resonated with them a little more than if, for example, like at my school, I just try to like talk to people randomly um, about those ideas. Um, so for me personally, like like West Albany High School never felt quite like my place. Like mm-hmm. I felt like it was a little bit hard to find people with the same kinds of interests. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in an online setting where I guess there's just like a larger pool of people, frankly, to pick from to meet it was a little easier to find those people um, with those interests. That's super interesting to think that what you described as like the ax being thrown into your high school experience actually made it easier to meet people that kind of felt like your people or mm-hmm. shared your interests and even, even made this shared virtual space feel like your place a mm-hmm. little bit more than your in-person high school might. Can you just like... What countries were you talking to people from? What countries did you continue to talk to people from? Yeah, so that summer, that program was called um, Between the Lines. It's by the University of Iowa. And I think there were like 30 countries. It was like, um, and I think there's predominantly like Middle Eastern and Central Asian countries. So there are people from like, Kazakhstan and Russia and Lebanon and Egypt, which for me was really fascinating as someone who didn't know a lot about countries in that region. It was really cool to be able to meet other young people who like watch the same animes as I did and like the same authors as I did and who I really connected with yet who lived on the other side of the globe. And I think with the world and us's work as well, we do, uh, we have quite a few team members and people involved from like India and, and China and Lots of cool places, I suppose. Why do you call it the world in us? Oh, I thought about this name for so long. Um, I was trying to think of names that kind of captured like the sense of globalness, Mm -hmm. I guess, um, that a lot of our programs are centered around. And with the world, obviously the world, because we tried to um, kind of share a bit of the beauty of the world and its diversity with our program participants. Um, And then in us, obviously we're based in the U.S., so we do end up doing a lot of programs with U.S. students. So trying to expose American students to the diversity and just the beauty of world cultures, but also in us, as in every individual, I think has a bit of the globe inside of them, has a bit of the world and has a unique worldly perspective to share. Um, So I think it tried to convey both that global focus as well as that individual attention and uniqueness that comes with every person's cultural perspective. Hmm. It's a great name, and it was just really <laughs> also a really great explanation of the name, so thank you for that. Um, it's interesting thinking how quickly you went to what seemed to me to be the positives that came out of COVID and some of the opportunities that opened up, and I just wonder, uh, are there things now that stand out to you as having been challenging for you, for your peers, either in person or internationally? Or like, do you hear certain kind of 
challenges emerging across not just your own experience, but those of the people you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think it's important to reiterate that my experience is not like most people's experience. Um, I know a lot of my peers, especially into um, last year, almost the entirety of our year was online mm-hmm. and we had more infrastructure for that. So we had daily class. Well, we had we didn't have classes on Wednesday, um, but we had classes almost every day and they were live. But a lot of my friends struggled really hard with classes and focusing and getting the grades that they would have gotten in person. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of my friends who might normally have like four point GPAs kind of lost them during our online schooling year. Um, And there were obviously, some people had issues with connectivity. I think everyone had issues with connectivity, frankly. Obviously, some people more than others. Just being able to log in regularly to classes, but most of all being able to focus throughout every single class when I think interaction was quite minimal in my classes, frankly. We had a lot of blank screens and it felt a little bit like being talked at as opposed to being interacted with like Mm. you would in a normal classroom. So I think just absorbing content, being able to remember it. And also because we were in that online setting, things like monitoring tests or homework or things like that were pretty impossible. So everything became open note. And I think for some of us, it kind of impacted our ability to retain that information because mm. a lot of us uh, retain information from cramming every test. Uh-huh. Um, so I do think in general, being able to absorb the typical amount of information that we would be and like to perform in our classes in our normal capacity in an in-person setting was really difficult for a lot of my peers. There is still a lot of value to in-person connection And like for me, for example, I do band and I play the flute and I do orchestra. And for, I think for a lot of musicians, it was a very difficult time when you don't have, I think what the magic of music making is, which is like a sense of community around this song, around this piece that everyone can listen to and feel in the moment, Um, as well as like sports and extracurriculars and things that really revolve around that in-person interaction. Mm. So really like the activities that the vast majority of high schoolers engaged in were the most impacted. And that was really difficult for a lot of us. I think. Yeah. You know, we haven't talked much about Albany yet. And I wonder like, how does Albany feel now to you as compared with how it felt to you before this hit? Yeah, this is something I've been thinking about um, quite a lot, actually, because I feel like my relationship with Albany is, it's gone through a lot of changes Um, because like being Asian American and like I already felt a little bit out of place in terms of just not seeing other people who look like me Mm. and sometimes like facing like cultural ignorance or just things that, especially as a kid, that other kids didn't know better than to say. And also just having, as I mentioned, sometimes these interests or ideas or things that I wanted to do that people around me didn't necessarily share. Um, It always felt a little bit out of place to me. And I think for a while, I almost had this kind of like resentment (laughs) for being in Albany because it felt so small and small minded. But I feel like honestly, the pandemic and a lot of these opportunities that were facilitated via technology and also um, like getting to start some of those ideas that I'd wanted to start for so long, like starting the world in us, for example, um, like our first 
initiative was basically teaching a lesson on Chinese culture to my former fifth grade classroom. Really? Yeah. And even though it was a virtual, it was like a really beautiful and like redeeming experience to me to have this culture that I once felt out of place for belonging to and then mm. being able to teach it to these kids in a way that makes them interested in and curious about it and where they get to ask the silly questions that, you know, maybe a fourth grader might not be the right person to ask, but me as like a high schooler who has like processed and come to terms with my cultural identity, I'm happy to answer for them. And I guess with that, it just made me realize that Albany actually has like a lot of beauty to it that mm. I didn't realize before. And it has a lot of capacity for change and for progress, just if that opportunity is granted to Albany and to the people within it. Um, and also like starting the organization made me realize how much support I had from my teachers and my former teachers who were so willing to give feedback and advice and things like that. And I guess the last little piece is kind of random, but like I took a lot of walks during the pandemic. I started taking walks around my neighborhood because yeah. I didn't have anywhere else to walk. But I don't know. I think there's a lot of unseen beauty in suburbs and in lawns and in the way people choose to arrange their garden flowers or change their garden flowers every day. And especially the skies. Like I, I feel like for a lot of my life, I was so focused on like the goals I needed to reach or um, like the tasks I needed to finish that I hadn't taken time to just observe like the physical space of Albany. So I feel like the pandemic gave me the privilege of having time to be reflective and of uh, not only like the physical surroundings of Albany, but also uh, my relationship to it and realizing both the physical and um, I guess like the social, like mm -hmm. the innate beauty of this place and its capacity for change that I hadn't seemed to realize before. So long story short, I think, I think before the pandemic, I didn't realize how much I'd been given by Albany. And like by the, at this current point, I think I've reached a place of much greater gratitude and appreciation for, for Albany and for everything that it could become in the future if people keep putting in the work to change it for mm. the better. You talked about putting in the work there at the end. Like, how did you conceive of and put in the work to start an international organization <laughs> during this strange period uh, out of Albany, Oregon? Can you just give me a little sense of how that happened. Yeah, for sure. I think I'd harbored the Harvard that's interesting. Harvard the idea for a little bit probably going into freshman year. Um just like growing up in Albany, I especially in elementary school, I'd always get questions like where are you really from because mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to say the US <laughs> or um just like questions about my identity and what I was and um and if I was related to the other Asian in the room and other things yeah, like that. Yeah. Um and I know for it impacts everyone in a different way, but for me, as like a fairly sensitive kid who already felt a little bit out of place, I it made me feel a little more unwelcome than I think any kid mm -hmm. should feel in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And and I was thinking of ways that I just I just didn't want another me, I didn't want another like little girl of color to face that when she was going through high school or going through school. So I, in my view, I think just based on my experience with education, I feel like education is kind of the root of all sustainable change and all mm -hmm. like cultural shifts in terms of how people think of themselves in the world. Um, and I also 
being Chinese American, I've had the privilege of experiencing multiple cultures. And I think the beauty that resides within each one. And again, with Albany, because it's, it's a small place, it's not the most accessible to people from um, different countries and cultures. I think I figured as a high schooler, obviously there's a limit to what I can do, but something that I think anyone can do is pass on knowledge to other people um, and grant exposure to other people to ideas that they might not have had before. Um, so with me, that was kind of where that education aspect, <laughs> education aspect of the world in us kind of came into my mind. So I felt like, especially younger kids, if they don't get that exposure early on, it can lead to ignorance setting in and cementing, which is not great. But if you get kids when they're younger to learn about everything that exists in the world and get excited about it, then that not only benefits them, but it also benefits the people around them who might be from those diverse backgrounds. So I kind of started with that idea. And then I didn't really have time in freshman year until the pandemic hit. <laughs> it's interesting um, to start exploring that a little bit more and start contacting my teachers to ask about their ideas on that and what kinds of like lesson formats we might do. And that eventually led to kind of our first few ideas around being like teaching guest lessons on certain cultures to elementary school classrooms. Um, so I spent the most of that summer just kind of laying the foundation of the world in us. I was like, ooh, get to pick a logo and a name. Uh -huh. um, I remember sending out a survey when I was first laying out my ideas, um, just sending it to anyone who would answer with like feed, um, basically asking about what kinds of content do you think would be helpful to teach kids? Which of these names do you think is best? Um, and things like that. And then from there, I kind of just like try to reach out to my network of people I knew and programs that I'd done, with, especially if they related to cultural awareness and see if there were any other young people who were interested in helping with this idea. So that was I guess my recruitment process, especially in the beginning to find like teammates was fairly organic, just asking friends, people and programs and talking about the world in us a lot with anyone. Um, even before it was a thing, I feel like talking about it helped make it feel more concrete. So yeah, and then from there, I think recruiting more teammates and then we had like meetings every week to talk about ideas. And once we had ideas, implement them into programs and then you know, distribute tasks and things like that. Yeah. I, I want to go back a little bit because you talked about sort of accessibility and I know you're working a lot in one of the additional projects that, you're, that you've got going on, on uh, how people use technology, especially the internet. Um, like, why did that become something that interested you and, and what are you hoping to do by, by your work on it? Absolutely. So with that, my work began... Um, the, applying for an internship. Um, it was also like a lot of things this summer after my freshman year. And there was basically this project that um, Professor Margaret Burnett was doing at OSU. And it was just, I remember the description was like, people, humans meet computers. And like with our work, what I ended up working a lot on was socioeconomic accessibility and inclusion in technology design, but it kind of stemmed, the original project was around gender inclusivity in technology design. But for me, obviously the pandemic, I think made it clearer than ever how integral technology is to our lives and how tied it is with opportunity. Like I've always had this interest in equity and expanding opportunity to every single person. And I think technology is just such an integral piece of that puzzle that it's just, 
another piece of that puzzle that I needed to learn more about. Um, so that was kind of what drew me to that project initially and led me to um, continue working on it. And I think just learning more about it made me realize more and more how just how important it is to um, the overall progress of equity. Huh. Let me ask, since you just said about the future, let me ask that kind of question. Have you done the kind of thing like thought, what's this period that we're going through going to look like five years out, 10 years out? Do you have any idea what you're going to remember of this? I think for me, again, this is like very unique to me, but I feel like the summer after my freshman year, like when COVID was like at its worst, was kind of when I crystallized what kind of changes I wanted to make with my presence in any community that I was part of. And when I met a lot of the people whom I would really end up looking up to as like mentors and also as friends and, mm. and whom I connected with um, more than I had connected with other people before. And obviously it was also a time of like significant disruption. It was like a big blur. But for me, I think I was honestly happier <laughs> during the pandemic than I had been before that. And even like in-person school, the transition was like really harsh for me personally. <laughs> and I was not at my best during in-person schooling the year after. So like for me, it was almost this really like nice interlude in my life where I got to reflect on life and discover my passions with more time than I had had during in-person school. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting too, how you, you prefaced a lot of what you just said with, for me, it seems like you're very aware that different people, different challenges, different circumstances, uh, I guess, are you, do you feel like there are certain kinds of challenges that even if in a way you didn't experience them, you feel more acutely aware of two and a half years into the pandemic? Yeah, I think the schooling thing is, is still a big thing on my mind because even though I tend to do pretty well in school and I have a lot of support at home, it was still hard for me to like focus during class. I would just, well, the teachers don't listen to this, but like sometimes I would just like leave my Zoom screen to make Robin because it was really boring and I was hungry. Uh -huh. um, and I guess I'm lucky that I can like leave class for a little bit and like still like be able to do the assignment afterward mm -hmm. and things like that. But like knowing the level of support and privilege I had and still knowing how much I struggled to just like focus in class, um, I have a lot of friends who are neurodivergent. I have a lot of friends who don't have that kind of support and who really need to listen to like every word in a class in order to mm -hmm. be able to do the assignments that accompany it. And I think just being able to focus in class is really hard. And sometimes I feel like some of my friends don't realize like how much impact what we do during these four years can have on like the rest of our lives and the opportunities that people choose to give us. And I just feel like there was this issue of apathy in general, where a lot of people kind of lost their will to keep working on school when like the world was as messed up as it was mm -hmm. and trying to focus on doing an assignment about like medieval Europe felt a little bit removed in the midst of that. Um, that apathy 
and that difficulty over focusing on something that feels a little bit removed from the real world never like fully recovered after we got back in person so like with my age group I feel like that was a pretty big issue that a lot of us encountered and obviously issues around accessibility of technology and being able to connect to class consistently and hear what the teacher was saying was a big thing and I have a lot of friends also who have little siblings and whose parents were working and who had to like manage their siblings and also attend class at the same time which is very very difficult. Do you feel like you're thinking about the future you're wondering about your future feels different now than it did two and a half years ago? Yes. (laughs) How so? Um, For one thing, I think I'm just a very different person than I was two and a half years ago. I think my interests have evolved a lot. And just my idea of myself and what I'm capable of has also shifted a lot. It's still something I'm working on, but trying to think of my future as a thing that unfolds and a thing that like the work I'm doing now, like, college might be not an end goal but just like a thing that comes along the way if it aligns with these things that I'm working towards and also obviously the pandemic made it clear that you can't really have a great five-year plan I remember making my four-year plan at the beginning of high school obviously looks a little different now so I think now I try to be a little more adaptable and be a little more willing to accept changes and accept that I can make plans, but I'm probably not going to follow them. And that is okay. Caroline Gao is the founder of international cultural awareness nonprofit, The World in Us, and co-founder of Asperlit, an international youth literary magazine. If you're listening to this, you might know Oregon Humanities for our Consider This program. But did you know we also publish a magazine that's free to Oregonians and written by Oregonians? In advance of each issue, we put out a call for submissions on a different theme and set of questions. And for this summer's issue, the theme was memory. Lauren Mallet is a teacher at Encore Academy a performing arts school in Warrenton, Oregon. Lauren was sent the theme and questions by a friend, and she took it to her middle and high school students to see if they wanted to submit their memories and stories of the pandemic. They did. Here are a few of the stories from students in grades four through nine about what they want to remember about the pandemic and what they'd like to forget. At the end, you'll hear Oregon Humanities Communications Director and magazine editor, Ben Waterhouse talk with Lauren about her students' experiences writing and submitting their stories. Um, I am Lily Patton, and I'm in fifth grade. My memories of COVID-19 is that my family had to move from Portland to Gearheart. The smell of cleaner and sanitizer that made me sneeze. Not being able to see people's faces or go places. I I liked being home with my family. Like being home with my family, we had... We got to be around each other more. I got to go to a fun new school because of the pandemic. I want to forget all the times my connection was lost in a Zoom meeting. I want to forget all the homework that I had to do in an hour. I want to forget all the times I cried. 
Avery Estelle Martin, and I'm in sixth grade. If the bad things didn't happen, I wouldn't be as happy as I am now, by Avery Estelle Martin. Ten years from now, there will be things I want to remember, but not just the exciting things like Christmas presents or eating cake. I want to remember the things that were really special, like meeting new people that really changed my life for the better and not for the worse. During the pandemic, I got a puppy. Before that, I wanted a horse. Then I realized how much work a horse is. When we first tried to get a puppy, the whole litter died, so we had to wait a whole year to get one. When we finally did, it was the happiest feeling ever. My litter of puppies dying is one example of something I wish to forget. But if the bad things didn't happen, I wouldn't be as happy as I am now. So maybe it's not that bad. I'm Isabella Poe, and I'm in ninth grade. I think realizing what was actually happening and everything being taken away so quickly were the worst parts of the pandemic for me. I believe it was March 2020. I was going to public school with my good friends, getting ready for competition with my dance team, and I was pretty happy. I first heard about COVID-19 after an OMSI field trip with my class. I remember on the field trip that our teachers were telling us to use lots of hand sanitizer and be careful crowding in large groups. I didn't think much of this, but a few days later, my school completely closed down. My dance studio stopped classes and competitions were canceled, along with our recital coming up in June. Everyone was told to stay home, so I couldn't see any of my family or friends. I felt out of control. I remember hearing two weeks, we should be back in two weeks. So I reminded myself through the confusion and uncertainty that it wouldn't last long. Hospitals began filling up, people were getting very sick, Months went by and it felt like it just kept getting worse. I want to forget this time because it was so scary and heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to see families separated and loved ones pass away. It was scary to wonder what the pandemic could turn into. It was so hard to accept that our lives would probably never be the same again. I'm so thankful that today I get to see all my family and friends again. We finally get to live our lives, even if it's not the same as it used to be. What would I like to remember from the pandemic? One amazing moment that I'd like to remember actually occurred just the other night. It was time for my dance team to showcase our piece at the Liberty Theater in Astoria. It was a dance extravaganza. I sat in the theater to watch the first half until it was our time to perform. It was the first time in nearly two years I had been in such a packed audience without masks. The crowd was full of people who loved to watch dance. They were energetic and excited. I could feel it. The, dance t- the dancers came on stage and were ready to share the gift of performing that they had missed so much. They soaked up the presence of the audience and their smiles showed how grateful they were to be on stage. I watched as the loud, high music flowed into my ears. In that moment, I realized how much I had missed just a regular performance. And I realized that we should all be so thankful to be together, living our lives together. Sarah and I'm in fourth grade. I got COVID. I pushed through. I was online schooled for a while. I felt I it felt like school. My horse died. We planned a trip to Disney, but it was canceled. Dusty, one of my cats, died. I want to remember. I want to remember when my nephew was born. I want to remember school and friends. It is so fun to learn with nice teachers. I also want to remember that my nephew learned to walk. We got two cats, one named Chai and the other is Dusty. You need the bad for the good. It is okay to be sad. You can be happy and sad at the same time. Hi, I'm Josie Monroe and I'm currently a senior. 
The scene from my life I'd like to share is when I was in my first year of being a counselor. Ever since I became a counselor, I have learned how I can become better later. Being a counselor had so much impact on my life. They also taught me how to be honest and kind to others around me. When the pandemic started, we all knew that it was unexpected and how to realize that these kind of things happen. We all have to just go with it. When it ends, it ends. When it comes back, it comes back. Just know that we are back and ready to put the show on the road and show the community what we can do. My name is Mika Dubers-Janet and I'm in sixth grade. During the pandemic, sad things and happy things happened. The pandemic made me pretty sad, so I got myself into music. I heard Dynamite on the radio and asked my mom who it was by. She said it was by BTS. At the time, I couldn't think of why a band would name themselves three letters. Then I started to listen to more of their music. I love them so much that I listened to them all day and all night. But then fast forward to now. I listened to BTS so much that I went to look for more bands and found Stray Kids. I love Stray Kids now, and my favorite songs are Miro, Maniac, Domino, Charmer, and Booster. My favorite members are Han, Jisung, Hwang Hyunjin, and Lee Felix. These are some things I want to remember during the pandemic. During the pandemic, my rabbit died. The sight of him made me cry, and I only had him for three months. I hope he is happy where he is now. I also remember that my mom and dad and me all got COVID. It was not fun and I also was kept at home for two weeks. My dog named Mac died at the beginning of COVID. I felt sad for a while, but I got over it. Now I have a job. I get to watch dogs and I get paid for it. I love the job because I love dogs. When I look at one of the dogs, I think of Felix from Stray Kids because of her bangs. I remember when I couldn't hang out with one of my friends because her grandma got COVID. I felt sad for my best friend when she had to put one of her dogs down. I also felt bad for her because her horse died too. For a while, I started to listen to sad music like Criminal and Loser Equal Lover. These are some things I want to forget during the pandemic. Hello, I'm Shaylin Bangs and I'm in sixth grade. It's easy to remember what you want to forget by Shaylin Bangs. Everyone in the world experienced COVID. It has been hard and tough to watch the world fold into different directions we never thought it would. COVID hit the U.S. when I was in fourth grade. At this moment of writing, I am in sixth. Many, many bad things happened during COVID that we will want to forget. But when you think about it, many good things happened too. I'm going to list all the good and bad things that happened to me during COVID. First, I'm going to start with what I want to remember for my whole life. School closed during the pandemic. We went online. At first, I was scared. Scared of COVID will hurt my family and friends. Scared of the lockdown will happen forever. COVID kept me in my house for a long time. I fought with my siblings and my parents. Although that may sound bad, it brought us closer together. It's easy to remember what we want to forget. Everything that feels sad and embarrassing and has some spark of fury is stuck in your brain, unable to get out. COVID might be one of those instances. Everyone hates COVID because of the threat that it might kill the ones you love. You had to stay in your house unless you wanted to take the risk of making someone sick. The point here is that COVID is going to be stuck in my brain for the rest of my life. 
I remember the start of COVID when I was in fourth grade. I was not able to visit my grandparents after a long trip. I sprained my finger right before shutdown and I was not able to say goodbye to my friends. I was stuck with my siblings, although I loved them. It was hard not to get a chance to be alone. I cried when a family dog died a little later. I cried when my cat died soon after and following him went my bunny, who had to be put down because of fly strike. All this happened in the year that COVID hit. It was a fragile and tragic time for everyone. I remember crying night after night. I remember feeling lost, sad and weak. I remember watching the rain clouds and hearing the thunder at night. I remember sitting on the porch and smelling the dew. Still, COVID had us all wrapped in a way it was impossible to unfold. Even though I want to forget all this, I'd rather not. COVID made me stronger and I want to pass this story on. Hopefully you would consider this and treasure both the good and the bad. Audrey Bangs. In what grade is it? Fourth grade. Thank you. What I want to remember about the pandemic is switching schools. I like switching schools because at my old school it wasn't fun as Encore Academy. At my old school it was quiet and a lot of people were mean to each other. At my new school it's loud, fun, and everybody is silly. I made a lot of new friends at my new school and no one was mean to each other. I felt happy in the new school even when I was wearing a mask. It's a dance school. I love my teachers and friends. The pandemic wasn't just bad, it was good too. There's a lot of things that I want to forget about the pandemic. One main thing is not seeing my family members. When the pandemic started, everything smelled like Clorox wipes. We went into our fields a lot in the pandemic. We shared our field with our grandpa and grandma. So once we were in the field and we saw them, but we could not go near them and hug them because we had to be six feet apart. We talked to them but could not go near. This made me sad because we are not able to go close to them. I love hugging my grandpa and grandma. That was one thing I want to forget about the pandemic. I am Lauren Mallett and I teach grades four through 12 at Encore Academy. This is the school's inaugural year. It's a performing arts school in Warrenton, Oregon. So I had a friend send me the prompt for this issue of the magazine and initially thought, oh, I don't have time for that. And it stuck with me, the, the theme of memory. And I decided, no, actually I can fit that in and it's gonna be really valuable for my students to do some of this reflection that, that led them to these stories. So I'm glad I did. So Lauren, what have your students said about the experience of writing these stories? Well, while watching them record, it was interesting to see them respond to one another. Um, It's a tight-knit community, and so many of the stories um, that they have practiced this week, for example, in, in class, I've heard them reflect on those shared moments, um, for example, dance performances and competitions that they were at together. Uh, I've watched them revise and edit based on sort of the reader's chair experience of hearing one another. And we've provided each other feedback about what moments in the stories moved, moved us. So themes that I've heard from them about each other's work would be moments that they felt connected in terms of of feeling. I feel the pieces are pretty open and emotional, talking about, we talk about highlights and lowlights, and the way in which we structured these um, writings allowed them to explore those. 
How did they, your students react when you told them that we wanted to work with them uh, to publish these pieces? They were really ex- excited. Yeah, yeah. We had talked about the possibility that we might hear back, awesome, but no thanks. And as a professional writer myself, I've spoken with them about the submission process and what it's like to receive acceptance, what it's like to receive rejection. I shared with them that I felt confident sending in the submissions, that there was really a lot there, but that at that point it was out of my control. They've, they've asked that, uh, that their payment be received in what I thought was a pretty fun way. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so part of the package for them is to raise resources for student projects. And so they've just opened a WordPress account and are putting together an anthology of their writing from throughout the year. EncoreAcademyAnthology.net, and it says, coming soon. We'd love to hear from people of any and all ages about what you most want to remember of COVID and what you most want to forget. Please email us at thedetour at oregonhumanities.org. You can find links to Caroline Gow's work and The World in Us in our show notes, where you'll also see art from the students at Encore Academy. Today's intro and outro music is Sweet Bops, Boom Bop Number One, and Real Chill Smooth by my son, Jacob Layson Davis, who, as a 14-year-old in the early days of the pandemic, did some beat making. When COVID hit, Jacob was sleeping later and staying up later and often making music or drawing or both. There was plenty that was jarring about those early days of the pandemic for Jacob. But there was also something generative happening. He seemed to have more time, and he seemed to feel that the time was his in a way it hadn't been. The Detour is produced by Kieran Bond. David Friedlander is our editor. Our assistant producers are Ben Waterhouse, Alexandra Powell-Bugden, and Karina Brisky. Special thanks to Caroline Gao and to Lauren Mallet and her students at Encore Academy. I'm Jacob Lason Davis. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>